Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. several times, and he's more than just a guest speaker. He, we count him as family. So would y'all help me welcome today Mr. Robbie McClure. So. <laughs> I love him. He's the best worship leader around, isn't he? He's amazing. So. Well, it's always good to be back here with you guys hanging out. Usually I'm here in July and a little bit different today with it being Labor Day. You know, I've, I've been uh, in ministry for, I don't know, 30-something years and as a youth pastor, you always preach on Labor Day because nobody's going to be there, and the pastor doesn't want to preach there. And uh, so the last few years, I've moved into an associate role, so now we make our youth pastors preach on those days we don't want to preach. And so yesterday, I was, or this week, I was talking to my pastor, I said, I'm being up here with Justin on this day, and he, he started laughing. He said, ah, you got to preach on Labor Day. So anyway, I'm glad you are here. Um, I'm glad I'm here, and, uh, and again, just have fun with you guys, and I love this church. It's been fun watching this church grow. And uh, just continuing to add services and more and more people and good to see a lot of familiar faces again and stuff. Yesterday I spent the day, I like to deer hunt. I'm sorry, I know some of you love Bambi, but if God didn't want me to eat, eat uh, you know, the deer, they wouldn't make them taste so good. And, um, but, but, so yesterday was the day where we went out and got all the land ready and everything. And I've got a friend that has a rich dad that uh, bought this land. And um, it, it, it just kind of is a lot of hilly land, and it, people had deer hunted there before. And so yesterday was the day that me and all of my friends pay penance to go be able to hunt on this land, you know what I mean? So like he owns it, but he doesn't hunt, so all of us have to go out there and do all the work, buy all the batteries and the corn and the seed and, and brush hog and do all this stuff. And so yesterday we're out there all day long, you know, cleaning and cutting stuff down and planting stuff and fixing stuff and setting stuff up, you know, making it look like it's a, you know, the, the mall fast food eatery so the deer come in and then it's like, bam. All right, anyway, and uh, but, but the fun part of that is working that and stuff and there's a house there, it's a metal barn that they had a house inside and, and we've cleaned it all up and through the, through the couple years we've been out there, put a kitchen in and all these things. And it's just, you know, there's something about seeing something get better and, and look nicer, you know what I'm saying? You go in there, it's just a bunch of junk and then you mow it and you clean it and you fix it. And how many of you guys, you know what I'm talking about? Like mowing the yard's a fun thing because when you get done, you're like, I did that. It looks awesome, right? And it's better than my neighbors over there. But anyway, um, there's something about that. And I don't know, I grew up with a dad that we went to the lake a lot on holidays like today and stuff. And I grew up in Bartlesville and I love Tulsa and being around this area. But we'd go to the lake and 
My dad was the dad that when we were done and we were leaving, we had to clean the place up and make it look nicer than it was when we got there, right? Y'all got one of those dads? And uh, my dad instilled that inside of me to you always leave something better than it was when you got there. In fact, um, I used to do that with our youth group. We would go to a church and do a, a drama, or we would go here or do that. And I always made sure when we left, it looked nicer than it did when we got there. And that's just been a part of my life growing up. And, and so I think because of that, there's always been this idea of stewardship that's instilled inside of me. The idea of stewardship is not just about giving money, okay? Stewardship says that I am um, taking things that, that, that have been given to me or have been put under my care, and I take care of those things and I make them better and uh, bring in a good return on the things that I have. It's just you take care of your car, you take care of your house, you take care of you know, things that you have that are in your life. And so this morning I want to challenge you because last few months God's really been dealing with me about stewardship. And again, not, I'm not talking about money today, I'm just talking about in, in life in general, about how to be a good steward. And, and as I've studied the Bible, the Bible is just full of stories of stewardship. In fact, when you start out in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1 with Adam and Eve, God puts them in this garden, and he, before Eve's even there, he puts Adam in this garden and he says, listen, you rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over everything that crawls on the land, and I want you to take this land and subdue it and rule over it, and, and basically God put Adam on this earth as a steward of his property, of his land. And so Adam did that, and he was faithful with that. And, and through that process, we start seeing this pattern of stewardship all throughout Scripture. In fact, Israel, our whole church, we're doing Bible reading together, and we're at that part of the Bible where Israel just got shipped off to Babylon, and they're there for 70 years. And, and the reason Israel was in Babylon for 70 years, if you read it, God says it's because they didn't honor the land. They, didn't, they weren't good stewards of the land because God set up this principle that if you're a farmer, you would farm your land for six years and on the seventh year, you didn't farm your land. You let the land lay dormant, and what it did is it let the nutrients get back into the soil, and it, it just it fixed everything so that the next time you put it in there, it was like starting all over again. And Israel, for so many years, did not honor the land, something like 490 years, 70 of those Sabbath years, they weren't good stewards. And so God said, you know what? I'm going to kick you out of the land, and so the land can have a rest from you <laughs> and give you a break. And for 70 years, they were there because they were not good stewards of the land. You get to the New Testament, and there's stories in the New Testament like the parable of the talents, where God gives this, this own land guy, he gives one guy five talents, he gives one guy two talents, he gives another guy one talent, and he leaves. And he comes back, and the guy with five, what did he do? He went and got five more, right? And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, I'll make you Lord over many things. The guy that had two, he comes back with two more. He said the exact same thing to him. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, I'll make you Lord over many things. The guy that had one talent didn't do anything with it. He was scared. In fact, he said, I was afraid, and I hid the talent. And the master takes him and throws him into outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is, is a symbol of hell, because he was not a good steward with what he had been given. Another story, Matthew 24. Anybody, you want a fun job tonight, go home and read Matthew 24 and then watch the news, all right? Because Matthew 24 is like all the things are going to happen before Jesus comes back. And how many of you believe Jesus is coming back pretty soon, right? He really is, all right? And so it, it's all this, but at the very end of the story, he tells another steward story. Hey, there's this guy that left town, and he left this guy in charge of all of his stuff. And he said when he comes back, if he finds that guy 
doing his job and doing a good job with it, then he's going to bless him. If he comes back and finds out he's drunk and messing around and beating everybody up, then he's going to throw him into hell. And it was this idea of stewardship. And it was a principle. That's why Jesus didn't tell us when he was coming back. If Jesus told us he was coming back next Friday at 7.30 p.m., most of us would goof off until next Friday at 6.30 p.m., right? It's like when mom and dad are coming home, they don't tell you when they're going to be home because if they do, you know, you got one job, clean the dishes and vacuum the floor. I guess that's two jobs, right? You wait until five minutes before they get home and you do it really quick, right? That's why Jesus didn't do that. And so that's why stewardship's this idea that one day the master's coming back and we better make sure we're doing the job that he asked us to do before he left. And so with all that in mind, the Bible tells us in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. And so the whole Bible is about this idea that man has been placed here to manage the master's property so that when he returns, he's going to find us doing a job, a faithful job, and making things better. That's what stewardship is. It's using and managing the things God's put in your life to bring glory to God and to make them better. And so this morning, I want to talk about three aspects of stewardship that are good for all of us. And the first one's this, is it's property. Stewardship involves property. God told Adam and Eve, these fish, these animals, the land, all this stuff, I want you to take care of it, rule over it, manage it, and, 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 and do a good job with it, Okay. How many of you know you don't own anything? Like my son, uh, he's 27 years old. I remember when he first got a job out of college, he's an engineer, and he was working. When he came home, he's like, dude, they take a lot of money out of your, your you know, paycheck for taxes. I'm like, that's right. You work January, February, and March to pay Uncle Sam, and then you get to start working on you, right? We don't own a whole lot of stuff. In fact, let me just say this. You don't own anything. None of us really own anything. The Bible says in Psalm 24 that the earth is the Lord's and everything it contains. It all belongs to God. And I realized a long time ago, I really just don't simply own anything. When my son was born, he was about a year old. We celebrated his first birthday. And I think the next morning I went in to get him and his eye was all swollen up and purple. And he got a blood infection in his body. And he went in the hospital, and he was in the hospital for about a week. He almost died. The doctors basically said, there's nothing else we can do. He just got to fight it off. And I remember praying and sucking carpet and begging God to save his life and all this stuff. But the thing I really remember is in those times of prayer, God spoke to me clear as a bell and just told me, Robbie, I love Mac more than you do. And it hit me all of a sudden that I had dedicated him to the Lord. What I was telling God is I realized I don't own my son. I really don't. In fact, as a parent, I'm just trying to raise him, you know, to, to be what God wants him to be. In fact, you know, how many, like, if you're Joseph and Mary and God shows up and says, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to have a son and I'm going to put him on earth and you get to raise him. I'm like, no, I'm scared to death, right? You know what I'm saying? I'll mess this up and there, nobody will get saved, right? The whole world's going to hell because I'm not good at this, right? And yet, that's what God did. And really, you know, every one of us in this room, that's what God's done to us. If you're a parent. God has given you his child and we are raising them for his glory. And so we don't really own our kids. We don't own our spouses. We don't own our cars and our homes really. If we, and you know, we don't own anything. Your money doesn't even belong to you really. It all belongs to God. The Bible says he just lets you use 90% of it. The point is, is we are not owners. We are stewards and stewards don't own property. They watch over these things and they take care of them. I remember when my daughter, when she was little, we dedicated her to the Lord. She's 25 years old now. 
And I remember taking her to church and up on the platform and you dedicate them and what you're saying is, God, they're your child, but you're going to loan them back to us to raise them for your glory. We quote all the lines. That's real easy to do. But when my daughter was in fifth grade, she came home from kids camp and she said, Dad, I think God's called me to be a missionary. And I love missions. I couldn't have been more proud in all my life. And when she came home in eighth grade from a prayer meeting one night, she said, Daddy, is there a place called Peru? And I said, yeah, honey, there's actually a country called Peru. She said, where's that at? Because she felt like God spoke to her heart in a prayer meeting and told her to go to Peru to be a missionary. And yesterday, I think it was, my daughter's been on the mission field for a year. She lives in a jungle town of 70,000 people on the Amazon River at the end of the road. And she does ministry down there. And you know what? I miss her like crazy. I'd love to go see her. I'd love to be with her. I wish she lived here and had grandkids that I played with all the time. But the truth of the matter is, she doesn't belong to me. She belongs to God. And I gave her to him years ago. And I had, to, my, I had to put my money where my mouth was when God spoke to her about that with her. The fact is, guys, listen, all the stuff that we have in this world, we don't own any of it. We can't take it with us when we die anyway, right? I've, my, best, my best friend's a funeral home director, and there's not a trailer hitch on any of the hearses, right? Because you can't take any of it with you. I used to say that until a few years ago. I was in Mena, Arkansas, and that is the best boat on the back of a hearse. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're burying the guy in it. Who knows? But the fact is, I don't care what that says. You can't take it with you. We don't own any of it. And the problem with stewardship is this, is is when stewards get in trouble is when we try to take ownership. When we try to take ownership of it, that's when we get in trouble. I'm 53 years old, okay? I know I don't look at, I look 58. Anyway, um, no, but like I'm at that age where everything's going downhill, you know? Somebody said, you're not over the hill. I said, I'm not living to be 106, baby. I've been on the other side of the hill for a while, you know? Everything's going downhill. My hair's going down onto my back. My stomach's going down over my waist. You know, my thighs are now cankles down here at the bottom somewhere. Everything's going downhill. And so the day my wife and I decided we better go find out if we can retire someday. And so we were looking for retirement, you know, somebody to help us. And, and I learned this big fancy word, fiduciary. Look at your neighbor and say fiduciary. If you need a financial advisor, you want somebody that's a fiduciary. What that means is they're always going to put your interest above their interest. It's about you making money, not about them making the money, right? And so they, it's a pledge they make that you're the one that they are serving. And so when I, when I understand that, that's what stewardship is. In fact, in the Bible, in Mark chapter 12, there's a story at the first nine verses about a, a guy that has a vineyard and he leaves and he puts these guys in charge of the vineyard. And he decides in the fall, he wants some fruit from the vineyard and he sends a guy down there to get some. And when the guy gets there, the owners or the, the, the tenants that are taking care of the vineyard, the stewards, they decide we're not going to give him any. They start thinking they're the owners of the vineyard. And so they beat the guy up and send him back. He sends another one. They beat him up and he sends him back. Finally he says, I'm going to send my son down there. Surely they'll have respect for my son, but they didn't. In fact, they beat his son up and they killed his son. When they saw him coming, the Bible says they said, look, there's the heir. Let's kill him and take the vineyard for ourselves. And those guys took ownership of something that didn't belong to them and it said the master came and he destroyed every one of them. Listen, we don't own anything. Can I just tell you this morning, you don't even own yourself. If you're a believer today, if you're a Christian, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who is from God, and you are not your own? 
You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. See, you know when we get in trouble is when we try to take ownership of our lives. It's whenever we start putting ourselves in our own interest above God and his interest. When the middle letter of the word sin is the letter I. Because if you're not where you need to be with God today, or if you maybe claim to be, but you live your life where you're number one and you're always taking care of yourself first, that's not what being a Christian's all about. It's not about me serving my own interests and my own ideas. It's that I laid my life down. I was dead and buried, and Jesus came into me and raised me up, and now I live my life for him as him. And I try to be the, the greatest example of Christ that I can be because I am not an owner, and I get in trouble every time I try to take over my own life and my own situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even as parents with our kids, we can try to get involved and tinker, and we got helicopter parents, and now they call them bulldozer parents. And all. Listen, just trust God. They're his. You do your job, but let God do his job. We, property is the first part of stewardship that we have to understand. And then secondly, we got to understand responsibility. God gave Adam and Eve a job. He told them to take care of the land, to till it, to, to be fruitful and multiply and do all these things. I really think it's interesting that God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife, the proper order there, gentlemen, all right? So God, but, but then he gave them this job to take care of the land and the responsibility there. And um, we are our managers or administrators of God's property, and our job, a job of a steward, is to magnify and to multiply, to make God bigger and to make everything around us better. And so with that in mind as stewards, how do we magnify God? How do we make God bigger? Because the idea of a steward is the steward, it's not about him, it's about the owner of the property. And our job is to be fruitful, to give him fruit, for him to get credit, for him to get the glory and the honor. And in our lives, that's the way that works. Um, I've been at a church in Mustang called The Bridge for 25 years uh, and, and, and I've been on staff there for about 20, 19 years of that. Part of it is a youth pastor, and for the last 11 years, I've been the associate pastor. Associate pastor means you do everything else that nobody else wants to do. <laughs> no, it means, it, it means that you kind of are the guy that works behind the scenes and does all these things, and you run a lot of things. And I, I love my job, and, and I've been able to do it for a long time because I really like my pastor. I think he's awesome. And I, I think he's a great man. I respect him. The, the better I get to know him, the more I respect him. And you know what? So I don't mind helping him with a sermon idea and he preaches and everybody says, that's the greatest sermon I ever heard. And I might have been the one that wrote it, but it doesn't bother me because I think it's awesome. I, I, I like putting events together and people show up and get saved and, and everybody always looks to the pastor. That doesn't bother me because I don't mind working behind the scenes, but I believe that's what stewardship's all about. And, and, and it's kind of like, um, you know, here at your church, um, I call him Fish. You guys probably call him Greg. I've known him a long time. But Greg's, Greg's a servant. Greg's a great steward. He does a lot of things in this church that he probably nobody ever sees or he gets credit for because he is a good steward. And all of us have this idea of being stewardship. We don't take the credit and we don't mind the boss getting more of the credit because our joy is in seeing people appreciate them. It's like a parent. 
I can tell you, oh, you're great, you're awesome, and that, that's good. But if I tell you your kids are awesome, that's the best thing I could ever do for you, is brag on your family, brag on your kids. And, and that's the way I think that God feels about us, is that our job is in making him famous, in lifting him up. We glorify him. The Bible, the word glorify means to, to form an opinion. And so when I, you and I live our lives in a way that glorifies God, that means we live in such a way that people brag on God. People think God is awesome, and it's not about us. And that's what good stewardship is. And so we glorify God or we magnify God by making him bigger in everything that we do. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all what? For the glory of God. And so not only do we magnify God by making him bigger, but we multiply by making everything around us better. As good stewards, that is our job. Eventually, everything that we touch should get better. And that works into every area of our life, okay? That's ourselves. Spiritually, we ought to be getting better. Every year, I've I've come back, I think I've been here five or six years in a row now, and every year I come, I see your church is getting bigger, you're adding services, there's new faces, people that I haven't seen before, and then there's people that I've seen for years standing out there with signs, greeting at the doors, serving as ushers, your band, and so it's it's exciting seeing your church get better, it's growing and things are happening, and you're maturing in your walk with God, but that ought to be happening in every one of us. Last year when I was here, you should be closer to God this year year than you were last year because you're growing. You're being a good steward. You're getting better and you're getting better not only spiritually, you're getting better mentally, physically, in every area of your life. You are growing and getting better in God. And that's the way this works. Your spouse, everybody look at your spouse if you got one one here. If you don't have one, just pick one. Maybe it's God, okay? (laughs) They, just tell them, you are so lucky that you married me. Just tell them, go ahead. You're so, I mean, seriously, that we, we should be able to say that without laughing or getting elbowed, okay? (laughs) Because honestly, if we're good stewards of our marriages, they should be the luckiest person in the world that they married us. Your kids ought to be the luckiest people in the world that you're their parents. In fact, everybody around us ought to be so glad that they were your kids because they're your gift to this world. In every area of your life, your job, your boss ought to be so happy that you work for him because you're one of the best employees he has. You know, your neighbors ought to be glad that you're their neighbor because you're awesome and your yard's amazing and you take care of stuff and you're a good neighbor. You're better than State Farm, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're, you, you, you can help out with everything that's going on in their life. Even your homes. You know, this last year, I, I, I love... I think it's awesome being hospital. I was in your room here a minute ago looking at all the people that open their homes for small groups. I really believe, you know, the Bible places a high priority on hospitality. And about three years ago, my wife and I, we looked for three years for a house to buy, and this one came on the market, and it was kind of almost everything we wanted, we'd been looking for, and it was a great price, and we saw it on Facebook, we went over and looked at the house the next morning, I, I, I called the guy to give him a, he was selling it by owner, I called him to put a bid on it, and somebody else had beat me to it. Man, I was kind of bummed, but I just felt like God spoke. And I'm not one of these people God's talking to me all the time. But I just felt like God spoke to me and said, that's your house. And so I said, hey, would you just keep my number in case it falls through? Because I'd like to, I want the house. Sure enough, about a month later, um, I get a text. He says, the house fell through, do you want it? And I said, yes. <laughs> and we was done. It was a done deal. 
And you know what? It's been a blessing to us because we've had small groups at our house, connect groups at our house. We've had people over all the time. We had our staff over the other day. I believe that being a good steward of that house is sharing it with people and, and, and enhancing relationships and building things. Everything that we have is an opportunity for us to do that, even your friends. I just tell you, as Christians, sometimes we're not great friends. Oh, we're great acquaintances, but be a good friend. Are your friends getting better because they hang out with you? The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I, I believe that, that a real friend will stab you in the front. We challenge each other. We see hypocrisy in our lives, we challenge each other. I, I've probably shared it before, but there's two guys, uh, one guy for sure, but another one that, that for, for 23 years I've been meeting this one guy at Cracker Barrel every Thursday morning in, Must in Oklahoma City, and we have breakfast together. He's my accountability partner. We have a pact that if he goes to hell, it's my fault, and if I go to hell, it's his fault, okay? There's, there's other guys that come, but they haven't been with us that whole time. The other day, I figured up if I've averaged $10 a week at Cracker Barrel for all that time, I've spent about 14 grand at Cracker Barrel, all right? So, yeah, I know I'm stupid, but that's why I'm fat. So, anyway. <laughs> but you know what? It's one of the greatest relationships in my life. I'm so glad that they're a part of my life, and I've bounced ideas off of them and, and cried to them and whined to them and talked to them about worked through things with them. All of us ought to be that way with our friends, helping them get better. Somebody said, we all want friends and we all want disciples. That's why we have neither, right? Sometimes you got to get in somebody's face and you got to challenge them to get better. First Peter 4.10 says, just as each one of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We all uh, have gifts from God and good stewardship is using the gifts God's given you to minister to other people and to help them get better. And that's what good stewardship is. And so the last thing I'd say is this, is that stewardship is about accountability too. It's about property, it's about responsibility, but it's about accountability. The fact is, there's an owner that's coming back someday, and we are gonna answer for what we've done with the things that he has given us. We're gonna have to answer for those things. First Corinthians 4.2 says, what is sought for in a steward above all is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. And you know what? I've learned that the kingdom of God works on faithfulness. Almost everything else in life works on your looks or your money or your family or your background or it's who you know or what you know, but the kingdom of God works on faithfulness. God says, I'm going to give you a little bit, and if you do a good job with that, you know what? I'm going to give you a little bit more. And if you're good with that, then I'm going to give you a little bit more. And if you're not good with it, I'll take it away from you. But if you're good with it, I'm going to give you a little bit more. That's why it says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little bit and I'm going to give you more. And that's how the kingdom of God works. And in life, there are a lot of people that they look the part, but they don't have the heart. A few years ago, we were looking for a youth pastor and um, I interviewed two, two couples and this one couple, they were amazing. They were, could preach and sing and lead worship and they looked, they were just awesome. Everything except they were just, they were arrogant to be honest with you. They were a little cocky. And then I interviewed this other couple and they really didn't have all that stuff going on, but they were, they were just great people. And I remember going to my accountability partners, and I laid it out, and I said, man, I'm trying to figure out what to do here, and I'm praying about it, and blah, 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 blah. And one of them made this statement. He said, you ought to hire the one you want your students to be like. I was like, whoo, that's pretty good preaching right there. And that's what we did. And he's one of my best friends in the world now. He's, he's an amazing person. The fact is, listen, a lot of people look the part, but they don't have the heart because it's about faithfulness. 
It's about faithfulness. Luke 16, 10 says, whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. And so the fact is, stewardship is expressed through our obedience in what God has placed under our control. Here's the key, is the master is coming back looking for a return on his investment. Why does a farmer put seeds in the ground? Because he likes seeds? No, because he likes what comes out of those seeds, corn and green beans and potatoes and all that kind of stuff. Why do you put money in the stock market? So you can lose it? No, because hopefully it's going to gain interest and you're going to, you know, it's going to get better and you're going to get a return on your investment. Why did God save you? Because he loves you, sure, but he wants a return on his investment. He doesn't want you to go to heaven by yourself. He wants you to bring somebody with you. He wants you to make a difference in somebody else's life. He wants you to challenge some people to be disciples. He wants a return on his investment. When I was a kid, my mom had a coffee mug every morning, and it said on it, who you are is God's gift to you. What you make of yourself is your gift to God. And that's what stewardship is, is that God has put something inside of me, and I'm going to take that, and I'm going to make a difference in my little world with what God has given me. That's good stewardship. In fact, when you read through the Bible, Paul made the statement in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He said, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. Paul, I think his whole life felt guilty. There was, the devil tried to condemn him because he used to tear families apart and kill Christians and all these things. And he says, you know, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle, but he said, but I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace toward me was not without effect. I worked hard. But listen, I want you to catch that part there. His grace towards me was not in vain. You ever thought about that? Could God's grace be wasted in somebody's life? You know, guys, if, if we don't bring other people to heaven with us, sometimes I do, if we don't make something out of ourselves with what God has done, that's poor stewardship. Being a good steward is taking what God has done and making it effective and making a difference in somebody else's life. I'm just telling you, one day we're all going to stand before God and he's going to look at us and see if we did what he asked us to do. Success is not having a bunch of stuff, okay? I just told you in the parable of the talents, one guy had 10 and one guy had four, and he told them both the same thing. You know why? Because God doesn't measure by your abundance. He measures by your potential. Did you do what he saved you to do? Paul said in, in Philippians 3.12, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. What he's saying is I don't want to grab God like he grabbed me. He's saying I want to grab hold of the reason God saved me. And every one of us in this room, there's a job God has for you to do. And being a good steward is doing that job. Stephen Furtick said a distraction is doing a great job at something that doesn't matter. A success is doing what God put you here to do, what God put his grace in your life here to do, and that is being a good steward. And so I just encourage you this morning, you know, be in a faithful steward realizing that there's accountability someday. And, and we, we, we are good stewards by acknowledging that we don't own anything, that we, we don't take ownership and don't take ownership of our lives. And secondly, by making God bigger, living lives that always honor and lift up and glorify God. And then thirdly, by making everything around us better. That's good stewardship. Lord, I thank you for these folks that have gathered here today. I thank you, Lord, for this church and what it means and for Justin and Casey. Lord, I thank you for your word that speaks to us. 
Jesus, for a, a grace that you poured out on our lives, and you've changed us and made us different. But Lord, this isn't something that's supposed to be done in a corner somewhere. You saved us. Saved people serve people. And so, Lord, today I just pray you would help each and every one of us to take this grace that you've put in our lives and use it to serve one another as faithful stewards. Lord, that there would be those here today that would make you bigger by making you famous, by the way they live their life, they would bring glory to God. And Lord, I pray that there would be those of us here this morning that, that we realize we need to make things better around us, not be afraid and hide our talent. But Lord, step out and allow you to use us to touch somebody else's life. Lord, I pray for those that are here today, maybe, Lord, that right now they're running their own life, that they're in charge, and you're not the Lord of their life. Lord, I just pray that today the Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts. And we just acknowledge, Lord, that we're just going to make a mess of things. We surrender our life to you to let you be the Lord of every part of our lives. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just be honest enough this morning and say, Robbie, that's me. I'm, I'm running my own life. And today I need to lay it down and follow Jesus. Surrender to him. Let him be the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you slip a hand up and say, that's me. I want to follow him this day. I want to lay my life down and quit running everything making a mess of things. Let Jesus be the Lord of my life. I mean, this morning, we'll just be honest and I say, Robbie, there's some areas in my life that got to get better. And I just acknowledge today before the Lord that, that with his help, this time next year, I'm going to fix some things in my marriage or in my physical life or my spiritual life or emotional life or my friendships, my job. But I want to be a good steward and I want to make things better. If that's you, just look up at me. Raise a hand, whatever you want to do. Just acknowledge before the Lord, God, I need your help in those areas. Let's stand all across this room, all of us. Our prayer team's going to come down to the front. Shannon's going to sing a song here in a minute. As the prayer team comes, if you're here this morning, you just want prayer for something going on in your life. Maybe it's something that was dealt with in the sermon this morning. Maybe you want to follow the Lord. Maybe this morning you just want somebody to agree with you in prayer for a physical need or something going on in your family. Whatever, just the Bible says where two or more agree together on anything that he's there and, and he will do it. you believe that? So if you want prayer this morning, our prayer team's down here. We'd love to pray with you. As Shannon sings, just either turn this into a worship service and worship the Lord, or if you want prayer, come and let us pray for you this morning. We believe God to do some things. Thank you, Father. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or are in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.